welcome to the award-winning Thoughts from a Page podcast, a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network, hosted by me, Cindy Burnett, a voracious reader and book columnist who provides you with casual author conversations and book recommendation episodes, as well as insider information on all of the newest releases that I personally endorse and on the publishing industry in my behind-the-scenes series. With so many books coming out weekly, it can be hard to decide what to read, so I find the best ones and share them with you. For more book recommendations, to find my backlist of interviews, or to check out my summer reading guide for 2023, visit my website at thoughtsfromapage.com. There is also a link to the summer reading guide in the show notes. I am thrilled to announce that I have launched a new Patreon level for those interested in accessing even more unique bonus content. My original level, called Page Turners, still includes my popular Early Reads program, where patrons have access to monthly early digital reads through NetGalley and exclusive pre-publication author chats, as well as monthly bonus episodes and fun surprise content, such as my upcoming pop-up book discussion with Danielle Trissoni for her new book, The Puzzle Master. Her publisher provided 35 hardcover books to my patrons, and we are meeting with Danielle to discuss the book on Zoom. My new level is entitled Lit Lovers and includes all of the page turners benefits, as well as access to my new Traveling Galley program, where patrons have early access to at least three to four new titles a month that are in print galley form and are passed along to other members, a monthly fiction-nonfiction pairing episode, a monthly episode containing bonus, spoiler-filled interviews with three authors, and finally, read-alike requests via email. Lit lovers can send me a book they loved, and I will respond with similar titles. This was such a popular and time-consuming add-on for me that I am moving it off of my main show. My true love is author conversations, and I want to be able to keep that focus on the show. Today I am chatting with Kathy Berner of Blue Willow Bookshop about her favorite romance reads. Kathy is a congressional staffer turned librarian turned bookseller who works at Blue Willow Bookshop, an independent bookstore on the west side of Houston, Texas. Her colleagues know her fondness for all things romance. When she's talking about a novel she really loves, her voice will rise in both pitch and volume and her hands will start flapping. She's read romance novels since she was a teenager and her love for them has not diminished. I had so much fun chatting with Kathy about romance novels, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. And now for a quick break. For the last year, I have been focusing more on my health and my eating habits. In connection with that, I have started drinking AG1 in the morning. I first gave AG1 a try because I needed more energy. Since drinking AG1 daily, I have definitely felt more energized. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water, once a day, every day. I know with AG1, I'm giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know it is safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and I am really happy to have them sponsoring my show. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash thoughts from a page. That's drinkag1.com slash thoughts from a page. Check it out. Welcome, Kathy. How are you today? I am great, Cindy. I am so glad to talk with you. Well, I have to tell you, I am beyond excited for this episode because you and I have known each other for quite some time. And this is the first time you've come on my show, and I just can't wait to chat. 
I'm very excited to be here. I really appreciate all you do in uh, the literary literary community, both in Houston and nationwide with your podcast. So I'm really glad to be here. Well, I'm very glad you're here as well. So why don't we start out with you just talking a little bit about your role at Blue Willow Bookshop, what you do, how long you've been there, and how you got started. Absolutely. So Blue Willow Bookshop is an independent bookstore on the west side of Houston. Valerie Kaler has owned the bookstore for 27 years, and I have worked there, I think, for almost 20 years. I was a congressional staffer when I graduated from college, and then I met my husband, and we went to grad school together, and I got a library degree, and uh, that was in Philadelphia, and then we moved to Chicago, and I was a school librarian in a K-8 to magnet school in Evanston, Illinois, and then the kids were born. They are 22 and 24 years old now. And when they were really young, I want to say it was either in 2001 or 2002, John came home from work and said, I'm being transferred to Houston. And I said, have a great time. Come (laughs) back and see us. But we moved down here in February of 2002. And we've been here ever since. John discovered birdwatching. Texas is the Texas coast is a flyover for birds as they're migrating. So he fell in love with the area and I found Blue Willow Bookshop. So I fell in love with the area too. So we've been here ever since. I met Valerie, who owns Blue Willow, at an event for Christopher Paul Curtis, who is a Newbery Award winning children's author. And we just started talking in the signing line. And she said, you know, you should come see me. And Zach was about to enter the three year old room. So I came in to see her and I've been working at the store in some capacity or another ever since. I started out just reading the advanced copies of kids books to let her know what I thought would sell. And now I am the event coordinator, the kids and young adult specialist, and unofficially the romance evangelist at the bookstore. And the romance evangelist part of it is what you're here to talk about today. And I can't wait to dive into that because I read some of it, not a lot. But I know you read a ton and always have so many great recommendations. But before we do that, I wanted to talk a little bit more about your role as an event coordinator. That is how you and I got to know each other. When my kids were little and they went to the local elementary school. My God, yes. Isn't that crazy? I can't even remember how exactly we connected up. But somehow you and Amy Barnes were running the author visit program with librarian Kelly Russell. And then you started bringing the books in for the author visits and we started working together. Yep. So that was quite some time ago. And I don't think I realized that you hadn't been at Blue Willow that long when you and I started working together. Because, I mean, that was well over a decade ago, probably more like 15 years ago. I think you're right. I think you're right. And we've had a great relationship with that elementary school. We're always happy to do that. So as event coordinator, I coordinate and often run all of the events that Blue Willow does in non-pandemic times. It's about 350 to 400 events a year. That includes everything from weekly story time to book clubs to small intimate events at the store to massive offsite events, ticketed events, sometimes with more than a thousand people. And, you know, we never really stopped during the pandemic. We just immediately shifted to virtual and we did more than 700 virtual events during the pandemic and we continue to do them. Well, I always thought the school program was so cool. It was so much fun to help out with that and to see the authors come through at the elementary and how the kids responded. I just think that is such a wonderful program 
that you all do. And then I also love all of your author events. I have been to a number of them. And the offsite ones are so much fun, like Rick Riordan and Cassandra Clare. You guys bring in just so many amazing people. And I'm so honored because Annabelle Monahan is coming soon for same time next summer. And I'm going to get to interview her at the store. It's my first time to do that for you all. We're really excited to have you partner with us for that. We love having authors in conversations with other authors or people in the bookish community who love their work. And you certainly qualify under that. So we're really excited for that event later this month. And you will also sell all the books at my literary salon. So that has been delightful as well. And it's been a great way for us to have the books there and for people in our part of town to be exposed to Blue Willow. So I think it's been really a great partnership. It absolutely has been. We value it very much. Well, good. And I value you all very much. It's so interesting because I grew up near Blue Willow and it was Musabelle's then. So it's almost coming full circle for me for all of these years now that it's been Blue Willow to interact with it as Blue Willow because I remember the store from when I was young. That's right. It's been a bookstore for more than 50 years. I love that. You and I also have that Evanston, Illinois connection because I went to college there and my daughter's there. So it's been fun to have all these different things that we share. I agree. So before you tell us your romance recommendations, I would love to hear how you got interested in romance. And in addition to that, it's been a genre that the publishing industry has promoted very differently and is handled differently in recent years. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well. Sure. So when Dinosaurs Roamed the Earth and I was a middle grade reader and then a teenage reader, there wasn't a lot out there. This is the 70s. There was some and there was some very good stuff. But there wasn't a lot, and I was a voracious reader. So once I kind of worked my way through the middle grade section and the limited young adult section at the public library, I discovered the spinner racks of Harlequin romances in the adult section. And I was really lucky. My parents never limited anything I read. If I had questions I could ask, I didn't have to finish anything. I was permitted to read anything we had on our shelves and anything I could find at the library. And, uh, Especially in today's times, I really value that. But that's how I got into romance. My sister, my mother, and I, all through my teen years and my college years and my young adulthood after college, would always talk about romance books that we loved. And then I kind of stopped reading. In general, I had kids, so I would read what they read. And then one day, I don't know what happened. But I started reading the Bridgerton series a long time ago, and I was on the phone with my sister, and she said, hey, I just started reading this series. It's by this author named Julia Quinn. And I said, you are kidding me. I'm reading the same series. So we were back to it again. And then, now all of this was when romance was mostly published, either self-published or published in mass market. That's the smaller books, uh, the smaller trim size, a lower price point that you most often would see at uh, big box stores or the grocery store. And then in 2018, Berkeley Publishing published a book called The Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory. And they really, their marketing and sales teams worked really hard to reach out to independent bookstores. I got an advanced copy right away, and it had a blurb on the cover from Roxanne Gay, which... For those of us in the book world, we were kind of like, what? Roxanne Gay is blurbing a romance book. Well, this is something new. And I picked it up and I loved that book. Jasmine is an exceptional author. I will read anything she writes, probably even her grocery list. 
And she's she's just exceptionally talented. And the popularity of that, the strong sales of the wedding date showed book selling and the publishing industry that books published in trade paperback format, which is the larger format that you often see on indie bookstore shelves, that it's successful. Romance published in trade paperback sells. And there is a voracious readership. So what I'd like to do here is digress just a second to say, and Cindy, you know how I feel about this. I'm an independent bookseller. It is in my best interest to sell books. And it is also in my best interest, and I believe incumbent upon me, not to judge what anybody reads. If you are a grown-up and you want to read only middle-grade fiction, have at it. If you want to read only romance, have at it. If you want to read only literary fiction or only celebrity memoir, that is fine. Buy books locally if you can, because it keeps us in business. If money's an issue, go to the library. Use the library. Show them that having books in a variety of formats about a variety of people matter. That is very important for readers to do. And it's so important because you want those publishers to continue to publish as many books as they can in a wide variety of genres. And you also want to support your local library and your local bookstore, as you said, if you can, because they play such a prominent role in their communities. Absolutely. This is probably a little inside baseball for your readers, but I don't know how the New York Times bestseller list is calculated, but every Monday morning, thousands of indie bookstores upload their sales to both the New York Times bestseller list and to BookScan. So that's data that becomes public knowledge when the New York Times releases their list, when other publications release their bestseller lists, and it is data accessible to publishers so they can see how indie bookstores move the needle. And there are so many great stories about particular books that a specific indie bookstore will have almost caused to be popular and continue. Like I think about Jacqueline Winspear and her Maisie Dobbs series and Murder by the Book being one of the big early readers of that book and just promoting it everywhere. And I'm sure Blue Willow has done that for a variety of books, as well as other indie bookstores elsewhere, that those authors really have those indie bookstores to thank for them being able to continue to write. You're exactly right. And a, a, a digression on that, an author who I'm going to mention shortly lives in Oxford, England, and we are huge supporters of his, and we are his bookstore. Let me be clear. He lives in the UK. We are in Houston, Texas, and we are his official bookstore for all of his pre-orders, for all of his virtual events. He works with us. And that is because we have supported his work and because he recognizes what an indie bookstore can do. And I think people just don't always realize how much power an indie bookstore can have. And I have never been in a store that there is more happening all of the time than Blue Willow. I don't think I ever go in there when there are not all sorts of people browsing, all these wonderful booksellers ready to help. And as we've already discussed, all the fabulous events that you put on. I just feel like it's a magical place. Well, you're very kind to say that. I'm I'm very lucky that my avocation is also my vocation. I love reading. I love connecting readers with authors, whether it's through hand selling a book, whether it's through putting together a school visit whether it's hosting a giant ticketed event. I am allowing readers and authors to come together. Which is just the very best thing. It absolutely is. So going back to the romance industry, the publishing industry, they realized that trade paperback sells 
that romance readers are voracious readers, will buy stacks of books when they go into a store. And so now there's so much great romance coming out from a variety of publishers. And a lot of these books are being made into movies on streaming platforms. And we're just seeing all kinds of wonderful, wonderful stories being told about a variety of life experiences and told by authors with a variety of life experiences. Houston is the most diverse city in the country. And it is, an, it is a mission for Blue Willow to provide representation to as many people as we can. When they walk in the shop door, we want them to be seen on the shelves. I always like that expression, windows and mirrors. And I think that is a good way to look at that, that you want everyone who comes in to feel like they will be mirrored back by a book you have. Absolutely. that And that term comes from the legendary Rudine Sims Bishop, professor emeritus at The Ohio State University, who was a professor of children's literature. And she talked about, to lay it out a little more, we want people to see themselves, mirrors, and we want people to see other experiences, windows, and that leads to empathy, which is a sliding glass door. I love that. I did not know where it came from, but I think it's the greatest expression when you're talking about a bookstore because of the windows and the mirrors. So I love learning that, Kathy. Thank you. You are very welcome. It When I learned that years ago, that very much transformed the way I sell books. Well, and the other thing that has changed for romance is the covers. Because before, I always think of romance as these like, you know, women in these long flowy dresses and the Fabio and all of that. Mm -hmm. And now you have a whole wide range of covers and right. they're not, I, I had a hard time with those. Like I just couldn't really be walking through the airport holding that kind of cover. Like for me, I was just like, oh, but now it's it's so much better. The covers are a much bigger range. And they're just not so kind of campy feeling or just a little different. And a lot of times they really didn't even represent the story. So I'm happy to see these newer covers that I feel like are a better representation of what's inside the book often. I completely agree with you. It's a joy to see all the different art design that goes into all these different books. And what's really interesting, and again, Cindy, I'm digressing, but there are, I don't know if you know the term fan art, but there are a lot of creators online who create fan art in celebration of books they love. I did not know that. Oh, that's so interesting. I know there's all the fan fiction, but I did not know there was fan art as well. I'm sitting up at my I'm sitting at my desk and in addition to all my photographs of pop stars whose concerts I've seen and events with authors I've hosted, I'm also looking at some absolutely beautiful fan art. And those some of those authors are net or some of those creators are now actually illustrating book covers. That is so cool. Kind of like some of these people who started writing fan fiction and then end up writing other books and publishing them. I love that they've been able to turn something they love so much into their career. Absolutely. And again, no shame if you write or read fan fiction. And on that note, I'm going to throw in one special book recommendation before I even lay all the others out, Cindy. There is a book by... Uh, science reporter from Australia. Her name is Tabitha Carvin, and she wrote a book called This Is Not a Book About Benedict Cumberbatch. I remember seeing that title, but I haven't read it or even read about it. I love that book. I think it came out in 2020 or 2021. And she writes about when she was a mother of young children, she went down this deep rabbit hole of Benedict Cumberbatch fandom. 
And she started thinking about how if she were in an office and had a cube, someone across the hall could completely decorate, a, a man could completely decorate his cube in the colors of the Miami Dolphins or in the colors of Manchester United Football Club. And no one would think anything about that. But if a woman were to completely theme her cube out for Benedict Cumberbatch or some other pop star, people would look at her like she was unhinged. (laughs) And she started talking about why is that? And the gist of this book is do what makes you happy. Engage in the fandoms that make you happy and bring you joy. And that will bring you a whole lot of psychic peace. I love that. And that actually leads me into something that I was going to say about romance reading. And again, no judgment at all. But I think still some people feel uncomfortable reading romance or feel like they shouldn't be reading romance. So I see a lot of comments like, well, I don't normally read romance, which I mean, I don't either, actually, but I have been reading more of it and really enjoying it. So I try to avoid saying I don't normally read romance or saying things like I'm going for a super light book, almost apologetic. And I think doing what you love, reading what you love, back to what you said before, whatever it is that you're reading is great. And there should be no judgment across the board on that. And I appreciate your saying that. And I agree with you 100%. Who cares? Like, why are we judging people? Because there is there is generally a judgment on the children's book industry or on genre fiction, romance, mystery, sci-fi, fantasy. Why? There are incredibly talented creators across the board in publishing. You don't just have to write literary fiction to be an amazing creator. And I would be so happy if more readers, more booksellers, more people in the publishing industry believed that. And that's so interesting that you included mysteries in there because that's how I really started reading. I loved Nancy Drew and Trixie Belden, all of that when I was young. And then as I got out of college, I started reading Lawrence Block and some of the other series. Like, that's just what I'd always gravitated toward. And I didn't really realize that people judged it until I started working at Murder by the Book a while ago, which I don't need more, but I did pre-pandemic. And sometimes people come in and be like, well, I just need something really light. So I'm turning to mystery or it's not literary fiction, but but it's a mystery. And I was like, what? Like, it just, it was so strange to me. So you're right. It's not just romance. It is fantasy and it is mysteries and thrillers sometimes or whatever it's going to be. But It doesn't have to be literary fiction for you to be a true reader. Whatever it is you enjoy, there are so many great books out there. And so it's just great to read. Right. And genre fiction, children's books, in addition to literary fiction, all explore the nuances and the of the human condition. Absolutely. And teach us things, as we talked about with the windows. And that's one of the things I talk about all the time on this show is that I love books that teach me about a different group of people, a culture a time period, whatever it is. I love learning stuff. And often it does help me understand better what's happening in the world and and gives me the ability to empathize better. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. Good. Well, I'm glad we got that off our chest. (laughs) So now I can't wait to hear what you're going to recommend. So why don't you just start with whatever sounds good and you can work your way through them. Okay. So just kind of the way I'm dividing it up for your listeners is kind of my go-to hand cells that I always hope I'll find on the shelf at Blue Willow. You know, we do sell books quite frequently, but we also reorder four times a week. So books are constantly cycling in and out of the store. But so I'm going to do some go-tos, then I'm going to do some that are out right now that I'm super excited about, and then I'm going to do two upcoming books. So my go-tos, first of all, Jasmine Guillory, who I have mentioned, 
Uh, her first book was The Wedding Date, which I adored. And my two favorite of hers are Party of Two and While We Were Dating. So Party of Two is about a woman who has left a high-powered law firm in New York and has come back home to California. And uh, she's staying at a hotel while she's waiting for her apartment to be ready. And she meets this really handsome guy at the bar and they have this great conversation. And then they both leave. They don't give each other their contact information. And then a week later, they're at an event and she realizes that he is a the junior senator from California. And there's a spark and they start dating. And he is very political, very always campaigning, because that's kind of what you do when you're a senator. And she has things in her life that she would prefer to be private. And she is black and he is white. So there's some tension there. But it is such a great, great book. I love that one very much. And then while we were dating, you can guess from the title, the trope is fake dating. It's an actress, a plus size Hollywood actress who's trying to get a new movie role. So she's trying to build some buzz in the news and social media and all that kind of stuff. And she meets someone while she is filming a commercial and they start fake dating. One of the things that I did not ask you that I should have was, do you have a favorite trope in romance? And you just mentioned one. But do you have tropes that you look for? Does it not really matter to you? How does that work for you? There are a variety of tropes in romance, fake dating, enemies to lovers, childhood sweethearts, all kinds of things like that. I don't always look for a trope. What is important to me in romance and in any fiction is the voice. Do I feel like I know that person? Do I feel like I want to know those characters? Am I going to be invested in their situation, regardless of what it is. And I think, and I'm glad you asked me that question, because I think all of these books that I'm mentioning have a really strong voice, and that's what's most important to me. Okay, that's great to know, because it's interesting to me, and it wasn't something that I really realized existed until I was on Bookstagram, but some people really do have strong feelings and look for particular tropes that they want to read, like second chance romance or enemies to lovers, or have tropes that they don't particularly like. So... You're like me. I look for a strong voice or a strong setting if it's something else, you know, another like a mystery or historical fiction. But it doesn't really matter to me what the trope is as well. Yeah, absolutely. My second author, who's my go to, is a woman named Abby Waxman. She wrote The Bookish Life of Nina Hill, which is this great, great novel about a young bookseller in Los Angeles. It each chapter begins with a list because Nina is a list keeper. And there's so many great shout outs to books, to authors, to the culture of a bookstore. It's just delightful. And then the first Abby Waxman I read is called Garden of Small Beginnings. And that is about a woman whose husband has passed away and she is working through that grief and trying to figure out how life works being the the widowed mother of, of two young children. and she and her sister end up taking a gardening class every Saturday and she ends up falling for the instructor. And it's just, it's so charming. And again, Abby does use this very effectively. Each section of that book begins with how to grow carrots or how to grow poppies or best treatment for peonies in a rainy season. It just, it's, they're really charming books. And again, the voices are so strong. I love them very much. 
The only book of hers I've read is the one, and I'm not thinking of the name of it right now, but where she and her daughter are headed out on college trips. And I read it right around the time I was doing that with one of my kids. So it really resonated with me. And she's just so funny, too. That's what I was thinking about when you were talking, or at least in that book. It was pretty darn funny. Oh, my gosh. Those it's just it's painfully funny because I remember doing that with uh, with my kids. And wow, that was something. And yes. yes, I can't remember the name of the book. I can remember the cover. But you know what? I'll give you the I'll add it to my list and you can list it in the in the credits. Perfect. And then I would say Beth O'Leary. Her first book called The Flat Chair remains my very favorite of hers. And I think that's being developed for streaming. It is about a man and a woman who are living and working in London and real estate is so expensive that they end up sharing a flat with one bed. That's another trope. There's only one bed. But here's the note. She works days and he works nights, so they're never there at the same time. And in spite of that, and through leaving notes for each other, they form a relationship. I loved that book. Everybody loves that book. I feel like it is an Instagram darling. Like you still see it on Instagram all the time. That makes me so happy because I love that book. And then her other one that I adore is called The Swap. And that is about uh, a granddaughter and a grandmother. The granddaughter lives in in London and is a high-powered consultant. And during a presentation, she has a panic attack. And her very kind boss says, you know what? You're going on a three-month sabbatical. I don't, work is too stressful for you. We value you. We want you back, but you need to take time off. So she swaps places with her grandmother, whose husband has just left her. So she's kind of struggling in their small town north of London. So they switch places. The granddaughter starts getting involved in the small town community, you know, that the weekly meetings about who's not picking up, you know, the trash the right way. And why is the bake sale on this day of the week? And I don't like what's being served there. And then the grandmother comes down to London and becomes a socialite. It is so utterly delightful. Okay, that sounds so cute. I'm going to have to pick that one up. It's really, really cute. I I sell it every time I'm at the store. Well, you sell books so well. You're really, you have a knack for describing what it's about, showing your enthusiasm for the story. And I'm sure every time you're describing it to somebody, they're like, well, I must read that one. Well, and they always joke about it at the store. If I get really excited, I start talking with my hands. So they call it hand flail. and My <laughs> hands start moving everywhere. And then my last go-to is the author I mentioned who lives in the UK. His name is Alexis Hall. He writes queer fiction, uh, queer romance. And the big book that most people would know him for is called Boyfriend Material. That is fake dating between the disgraced son of rock legends and a very tight buttoned barrister in London. And I had read some of Alexis's self-published work or more independently published work before, but boyfriend material, the voice is incredible. The thing you talked about, about learning about different things, the, the little digressions he takes with his characters send me down so many rabbit holes. It's absolutely fascinating, whether it's you know, the problematic issues behind the movie Pretty Woman or income inequality or how dialect in the UK kind of reflects class, but also is kind of prejudicial. It's fascinating. So Boyfriend Material was the first one. 
the first time we partnered with Alexis and his team was for Rosalind Palmer Takes the Cake, which is about a bisexual single mom who is in a Great British Bake Off contest. Oh, that sounds really clever, too. All of these books that are taking place in baking shows now, I think it's such a fun trend. Yes. So this is this is I think he's going to do three in this series. The first was Rosalind Palmer Takes the Cake. The second is Paris Delancourt is about to crumble. And that takes it's, you know, it's it's kind of a romp on a baking show, but it also talks a lot about mental health, in a in a really responsible way. And then I can't remember the name of the third one, but I think that's out in 24 or 25. So Alexis publishes three to four books a year. Wow. Right? And talking about romance and representation, a book that came out last year is called A Lady for a Duke, and it is about a trans female character who went to Waterloo and died and came back to live as her true self. And the beautiful thing about that book is that there is no shame when her childhood friend who becomes her lover realizes that she is who she is. There's only joy. And I really appreciate that. The other thing I love about it is the cover representation. The woman on the cover is a trans model. And this book releases in mass market on Tuesday. And it's a stunning new cover with this beautiful, beautiful model. So those are my go-tos. Jasmine Guillory, Abby Waxman, Beth O'Leary, Alexis Hall. Now, books that are out. It came out last summer, but oh my gosh, I love it. The Bodyguard by Catherine Center. Catherine is based in Houston. We love her books. And The Bodyguard is probably my favorite of all. It is fake dating. A movie star is has come down, come home to Texas to take care of his mom who's not doing well. And he's got a stalker, but he doesn't want his mom to know he has a stalker. So his management team hires a bodyguard, this woman, and they fake date so he can begrudgingly receive the protection that he needs and take care of his mom without her worrying. I love that book so much. I have not read that one. I (gasps) love How to Walk Away. That is my favorite of hers, but I haven't read The Bodyguard. Cindy, you need to read The Bodyguard because fun fact, the inspiration for it comes from Catherine's family ranch west of town. Oh, okay. I really do then. Okay, good. I'll add it to my list. I'm And my husband and I and some of my colleagues got to go out and tromp around and see where everything happened in her mind. It was so great. We had the best time. That does sound like fun. Uh, another one that's been out for a couple of years, but I love to sell it, is The Gunkle by Stephen Raleigh. Yes. Love that book very, very much. It is a comedy with a little bit of romance and a meditation on grief. And he, it's a a TV star who is no longer active in the business, lives in Palm Springs, and his best friend from college ended up marrying his brother, and she has just died from cancer. And at the funeral, his brother says to him, I am going to rehab because I couldn't deal with my wife's passing, and the only way I could deal with it was by taking her pain meds, so I'm going to rehab, will you take the kids? So he becomes the gunkle, the gay uncle. And you're laughing out loud. Your throat is tight because you're about to cry. And there's just, it's such a great mix. I also highly recommend the audio. Stephen reads it himself and it's spectacular. I absolutely love that book. 
And you're exactly right. You captured it all. It's so funny. I mean, you just laugh out loud, like when the kid loses a tooth and he leaves him like a playbill or something, you know, from a Broadway show, a very famous Broadway show. And the kid's like, what is this? There are just so many touching things, but it's also so funny. And yes, it is a very good meditation on grief as well. It's just pretty much everything is wrapped into that book. Yes. And so fun connection, Byron Lane is Stephen's husband and Byron's book, Big Gay Wedding, came out this past Tuesday. And I love it so much. It is He describes it as Father of the Bride meets Schitt's Creek set in rural Louisiana. And didn't the celebrants come out the same day? Didn't their books come out? The celebrants came out the same day. They're actually on tour together, which makes me so happy. I just think that's so fun. It, it absolutely is. And since I mentioned the Gunkle, I'll let someone else talk about the celebrants, which is also a lovely book. Um, but Big Gay Wedding is so much fun. And it's also a lot about the unconditional love moms hope they have for their kids and how sometimes it's hard to give that unconditional love. It is sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's hard to be a mom generally. And so, yes, that that is. I have not read it yet, but I've heard nothing but fabulous things about it. And that's so much fun that they're touring together. Yeah, not not entirely. I think Stephen branches off next week and hits the Midwest and the East Coast and then comes back again to California and they wrap up the tour together. And Byron worked for Carrie Fisher, right? Yes, he did. His first book is called A Star is Bored. And I don't know if you know this, but at the end of that book, in the acknowledgments, he proposes to Stephen. I had forgotten that. I did know that because I, I've interviewed Stephen before, I think for the Gunkle. And we talked about that then. So I thought that was so sweet. It's so sweet. And I just, I love Stephen and Byron so much. I'm very, very hopeful that sometime we will be able to welcome them to Houston. That would just be a dream for me. That would be. Yes. Turning to something a little sadder, but wow, one of my favorites of the year, and actually one of the favorites of the staff, is called In Memoriam by Alice Wynn. This is World War I. It's about boys who are at a private school, and they're 17 and 18, and two of them have feelings for each other, but have never really acknowledged it. And one of them is of German heritage. So his mother comes to see him at school and says, people are being mean to us because we have German heritage. Will you enlist? So they will stop. So because he can't deal, deal with his feelings for his friend and because he wants to help his mother, he enlists and is sent to the front. And then a few months later, his friend follows him. Because they all think, oh, this is going to be a jolly adventure. It's not going to last very long. It's for England. We love this country. We want to protect this country. This is the right thing to do. And it doesn't last only a few weeks. It is not a jolly adventure. It is hell. And Alice tells this story through ephemera, uh, as well as through prose. And she was inspired to do it because she herself was educated in England and during the pandemic was went down the rabbit hole of looking at her school's old newspapers. And this was the tone at the beginning of World War One is people were like, oh, they're off, you know, they're going to have a great adventure. And then when they did die, their classmates were responsible for writing their eulogies called in memoriams. And they would say, oh, he was so brave, showed such valor. We're honored to know him. And the tone of those in memoriams changed the longer the war went on. And then younger brothers were having to write for their older brothers. And it's a beautiful love story. And it's also talks about just the inhumanity, 
the inhumanity of war, but the hope that you can also find there. I think nine of the staff have read it, and we have all loved it. Valerie says it broke her. I just found it indescribably beautiful. And so many people really, really are fans of it. It's it's a very important book for us this year. Oh, that part of the war and the fact that, you know, nobody had any concept of what it was going to be like for those people. And then once they started coming back injured, or as you said, so many of them passed away, the story changed. It did. And I think it's important to read those things. And again, you should read what you want to, when you want to. And if it's not the right book at the right time or not the right book ever for you, that's fine. But I think it's important. I mean, academically, I studied World War I in high school. I studied World War I in college. It became so much more visceral, and I felt like I was bearing witness. I actually had picked up the postcard by Ann Barris, which is very good, but is also so much darker than I thought it was going to be, and I need to return to it. But I mean, it's just so grim, but again, very important. But you just put it down thinking, oh my goodness. Right? But that's one of the things that books do for us. And again, read it if you can. Don't read it if you can't. No harm, no foul. Absolutely. Uh, Two more current books. One uh, by Curtis Sittenfeld is Romantic Comedy, which I adored. Me too. Oh my gosh. That main character is so awkward. And she's making these choices and you're just like, no, 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 no. But she does them anyway, and you see how it plays out. And it's such a fun cover. And that that book is just so hilarious. And the character is awkward, but I loved all the Saturday Night Live vibes. I can't remember the Night Owl, I think is the name of the show, but so much like Saturday Night Live. So I loved all the insight to that. Without any spoilers, I really liked the way that one ended. Like the, the playing out of everything I thought was very well done. I completely agree with you. And it's I also felt like it was so tight. Like it is not a long book but it feels so worth it regardless. That was very satisfying. And then my last one that actually comes out on Tuesday is by our store favorite pal, Alexis Hall. It is called Mortal Follies. He calls it Queer Magical Bridgerton if Midsummer Night's Dream were canon. So <laughs> like the fairies exist. It's a sapphic love story. It's about a young woman in society who suddenly finds herself cursed and she can't figure out who caused the curse. So she uh, works with another woman who is under the cloud of scandal. She Everybody thinks she's a witch who has killed her brothers and her father. So they call her the Duke of Annandale. And as the two try to figure out who has caused the curse and how to undo it, they fall in love. You can You can read and enjoy it just for the queer magical Bridgerton part. But the fact Midsummer Night's Dream is canon. It's narrated by Puck, who calls themselves Robin in this book. And it is hilarious. And there's so many asides and so many digressions that it is just an utter, utter joy to read. I loved it very much. It sounds like a fun one. It is a fun one. So then the two upcoming books that I am super excited about, one is Blonde Identity by Allie Carter. It is a thriller written by Allie Carter, who people might know as the author of the Gallagher Girls series for teens or Heist Society for teens. And she's moving into adult fiction now. And it is so much fun. I read it in one sitting on New Year's Eve 
And I remember my husband coming to me and being like, we have to get ready to go. And I was like, I have 50 pages left. I'm busy. I'll be a little late. <laughs> yeah, we, we were a little late to the party, but it was worth it. It is so much fun. That comes out, I want to say August 8th, and it is amazing. And I'm super excited. She's going to be at the store on Saturday, August 12th. Cindy, I think you would just find it so much fun. But the thing I love about Allie is that she is an amazing plotter. She is so clever with how she lays out her story. And the banter is first rate. My girls loved her YA books. They read both of her series and just thought she was spectacular. Right? Like this adult fiction, I think they're both going to love. And I think you might actually enjoy it too. Okay, good. I'll have to check it out. And then I was thrilled to learn this week that Kate Claiborne, who wrote Georgie All Along, her first series was called a trilogy called Chance of a Lifetime that started with Beginner's Luck. And Kensington is releasing it in print starting this fall. I love that trilogy so hard. It's about three best friends who buy a lottery ticket at the gas station one night after they've been out drinking and they win. And what they do after the fact. They they try really hard to keep it quiet, but it definitely changes their lives. And it talks about how it changes their lives. It is such a great trilogy. So Kate Claiborne, Beginner's Luck. The only book of hers that I've read is Georgie All Along, and I loved it. I thought it was so cute. I recommend it to people all the time. My girls have both read it and really liked it as well. I think you'd really love this one, too. It's it's a great series. I can't recommend it highly enough. Okay, good. Kathy, this has been delightful. I'm so glad you're here. And I got to learn about some books I wasn't familiar with, as well as hear about some ones that I was aware of and haven't read, and a few that I loved as well. I'm so glad. It's such a pleasure. I could, I mean, I could keep going, but your editor would probably be very sad. You'll just need to come back another time and talk about more romance. Any day of the week, I will talk with you. It was such a joy. I agree. Thank you. Absolutely. My name's Adam Sokol, and I'm the host of the Passions and Prologues podcast. Every week, best-selling authors like Jenny Jackson, Rebecca Mackay, Lisa Scottolini or Brad Meltzer come on to my show to talk about, yes, their new books, but more importantly, the things that they're crazy passionate about. We've talked about the Muppets, powerlifting, traveling, gardening, home improvement, and so much more. We dig into why these things are their passions, how they inspire their writing, and where they came to fall in love with these random assorted things. Be sure to subscribe to the Passions and Prologues podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And check out evergreenpodcast.com to learn more. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I would love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook, where you can find me at Thoughts From a Page. If you enjoy the show, please consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. If you have a moment to rate the show or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts, I would really appreciate it. It makes a big difference. And please tell all of your friends about Thoughts From a Page. Word of mouth does wonders to help the show grow. All of the books that Kathy mentioned today can be found linked to Blue Willow Bookshop in my show notes. I hope you'll tune in next time. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, 
toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) I know, right?